Welcome to Abiding Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget... You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently airing a series on the Holy Spirit titled, The Missing Person. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, perspective. So so that's the problem here, is, is that man is bad, but he knows good. And he knows what to do is right, but he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, man's fallen, man's depraved, but he's also has a knowledge of good. And every man has a knowledge of good. And that's the whole problem. So knowing evil, man can also know good by contrast. Because you can't really know good if that's all you know, right? I mean, think about it. You have to have evil... Otherwise, you don't understand good. You just, that's just what you are. And so by having the evil, you also have good, which enables every person. And this is what the point was. It enables every single person with volition, with choice. And that was God's whole point. That was God's whole reason for this. So knowing both good and evil would put the fallen man in a place where he could choose to reject the good or choose to receive the good. That's why it's hard to put down an Oreo, because an Oreo cookie, if you think about it, is good and evil in one cookie. <laughs> Have you guys seen this? I mean, this is, it's black and white. It's delicious and fattening. It's, you know, it's true. You know, I, I think that we all make these choices in our lives, and, and I don't think that anybody becomes a Christian just so easily. Right? I mean, there is a war that happens, isn't there? I mean, it's like, I don't want to do it. You know, I do want to do it. I don't want to do it. I do want to do it. I remember the moment, you know, I was pretty sold on the fact that I was going to marry my wife. But there was a moment. There was a moment where they mistakenly put me in the bottom basement of Calvary Chapel Pocatello. And I was all dressed for the wedding. And she's upstairs getting ready. And I'm down there by myself. Never leave a groom by himself. I'm sitting there down by myself with my thoughts. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? Now, it wasn't that I didn't absolutely love her. It wasn't that I wasn't absolutely in. But there was 500 people upstairs waiting for me to come up and stand in front of them. And I could not stand in front of a crowd. And I was a little bit freaked out about it. And so I'm sitting there thinking, what am I doing? You know, and for a moment, maybe I thought about running, you know, running away. But I didn't. I had that choice. I mean, I could have done, you know, got away or I could have made, and it's always a choice. It's a choice that we have in a relationship has to be based on choice. Otherwise, it's no relationship at all. Now, of course, the penalty for the transgression was death. On the day you eat of it, you shall die. So it was game over unless somebody intervened. Unless there was some sort of intervention. Somebody had to die. Or Adam and their even their offspring would. But God had a plan. Now, here's where we see the plan, and we don't see it actually until Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21, where Paul the Apostle explains to us 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So God knew that Satan and Adam and Eve would do what they did. And he didn't make it happen. It says he did not willingly But he knew that the outcome of that would not only be choice, but it would mean that those who would choose to follow God, which, of course, God doesn't want robots. He doesn't want, you know, okay, you get to come and you don't get to come and you you don't have a choice in it. He wanted them to have that choice so that they would want to be there. And, And otherwise, it would have just been like that without the fall. And so now you have a man who's on the wrong side of God, who knows good, but doesn't want to do it who has to reject his nature and choose good that he knows because he has a knowledge of it apart from his his character and his his heart and, and that God would accept him and make him into a new creation. And that would ultimately result in the revealing of the sons of God, which is the ultimate purpose of God's plan at the end, at the very end. And we're going to get there. But in Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. So God would give a promise of his coming son. God God would say this to Satan. This is interesting. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the whole thing's gone down. You know, God says, you know, have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat? And the man says, the woman you gave me, she gave to me and I ate. And the woman says, "The, the, the serpent, he deceived me. And so then God, and the serpent doesn't give any excuses. Of course, at this point, you have to understand what has happened. The serpent now, the, the Satan has now, in his craftiness, and he understood that this would be the result of it. When he got the woman to submit to him, and he got the woman, the man to submit to the woman who was, had submitted to him, he would find himself as their ruler, their king. And they became his slaves. They became in subjection to the devil. And the devil becomes, as, God, as, as Paul would call him, the God of this world. And small g, of course. And of course, God is over the devil. But he takes what was given to the man and it becomes his possession. The man was given dominion over the earth. Satan takes control of that. And it becomes apparent, as I mentioned before, in Jesus' temptation, when he tempts Jesus the same way that he tempted Eve, with the lust of the flesh, you know, the, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, eat the bread. You know, throw yourself off the temple so they know who you are, so God would rescue you with 10,000 angels. Or he takes him up and shows them all the kingdoms of the world, the pride of life. Hey, if you can, or maybe that's the... Lust of the flesh. I don't know what, 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 how they, they fall. But he says, if, you could, if, you'll, if you'll bow down and worship me, you can have all these kingdoms. And of course, Jesus doesn't fall to that temptation. But Eve did fall to that temptation. And so Jesus becomes the one who's tempted in all ways, but without sin. But Satan, it shows there that, that Satan is now in charge. Until somebody pays the penalty and buys it back from Satan, which is... Death, And so we see in Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity or war between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And, and of course, this is speaking of a, a birth and the seed always comes from the man. So this speaks of a virgin birth. And it says of this seed, her seed, he will bruise your head 
And, and the idea there in the Hebrew can mean crush. And, and the idea behind that is his head being in his authority. He's going to crush that authority that you have, uh, uh, the control over mankind. However, you will bruise his heel. And, and so after this point, man would be under the control of Satan. And at this point, all Adam and Eve could do, and, and, and I love this because you read through Genesis and you don't see God saying, okay, Adam and Eve, you've fallen. I've promised this Messiah to come. And now here's the rules. No, he just says, I promise the Messiah is going to come. And that's all they had. Now, it doesn't tell us that God gave them any rules, and certainly I'm sure God gave them some instruction, but I think by design, it shows God showing them nothing other than, I'm going to resolve this. I'm going to resolve it. And isn't that what the gospel is? God resolves it. That's why this verse is called the Proto-Evangel, or the first mention of the gospel, Genesis 3.15. Because God gives a promise that he's going to deal with what the serpent has done. He's going to undo what the serpent did in the garden. And all Adam and Eve could do is believe. Now that, prom uh, that promise held on. And, and some received You see it through Abel and Seth and Enosh. And you go through Genesis 5 and you see this genealogy of Adam's descendants and his sons. And of course the world's being populated with other descendants of Adam and Eve. But it gets all the way down to Noah, where the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man at that point were only evil continually. They knew good, but they only wanted to choose evil all the time. And so God decided the only course of action at this point, mankind is corrupted. We need to destroy the earth. I need to destroy the earth. And so he is going to send a flood, a judgment upon the earth. But Noah finds grace in the eyes of God. And so God makes a covenant with Noah. He tells him to build an ark, and he puts him in the ark, him and his family, eight souls, and all the animals in this vessel. It's interesting. This is something that is true of every culture in the world. They all have the flood story. They all trace their history back to the flood of some kind. They have some tradition that takes them back to the flood, and usually it's eight people in a barge or in a cave or something with all the animals of the world while the flood destroys everyone on the earth. And so Noah receives this instruction from God. And then Noah lands, begins to repopulate the earth. The earth grows, and it's all one people, all one language, all one nation. And, and then God sees as they begin to work within this one nation that corruption is easy to spread through everyone. And so he decides the best thing to do is they're trying to build a tower up into the heavens. He says the best thing to do is to confuse their languages and to make them into, and this is so important, you think of one world order and all that stuff and bringing everybody back together. He purposely made them into nations. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.